Welcome to the Mission Cleveland weekly podcast, encouragement and hope in a despairing world. Thank you so much um, for allowing us to be a part of this great fellowship. I mean, the Vineyard and um, the Anglicans have done stuff together for years. I mean, John Wimber, the leader of our um, troops and uh, tribe, he, he, he crossed the ocean I don't know how many times going and doing stuff at Anglican churches. But for, I want to tell you a story. Um, we have a very, very good friend who um, drives for different, um, he drives buses for different entertainers, uh, rock groups, I mean, you name it. Now, I hope this doesn't get on your nerves. I have to get a drink of water. I do a lot of drugs. And, uh, I mean, they're prescription, but um, <laughs> I end up with dry mouth. But, um, so he, he drives, now after the pandemic, he told, I talked to him three times in the last couple of weeks. And he said, I think I'm done. I'm 70 and I'm through driving. Well, he would be in Fort Myers driving where we lived and he'd call us and say, hey, just came into town. Want to get together? I'd say, who are you driving for? Def Leppard. Okay. Yeah. Is it a good show? Hadn't seen it. I drive him into town. I go to the hotel and go to sleep. (laughs) He said, you want to see it? Said, I'd love to. So we took our family and grandparents, not not grandparents, but (laughs) to see Def Leppard. So it was, it was fun getting to see him again, but it was long stretches that we wouldn't see each other. And um, he called again, I don't know, maybe sometime a year or so later and said, going to be in Lakeland. And um, would would love for you guys, it's about a two-hour drive, I think, from Fort Myers to Lakeland. And he said, you know, love for you to come up. You went, I said, yeah. He said, I'm driving for Amy Grant and uh, Michael W. Smith. He said, "Uh, I can get you backstage passes and really, really good seats. Well, who would say no? (laughs) You know, so... um, we took our daughter, Ramey. She was about 12 or 13 then. And she brought a friend. Great concert. Great. And after the concert, she, he came, Dave came and said, okay, come on. So we went backstage, and um, Amy had already got on one of the buses. And he went up and got her, and she came out and was so... Um, pleasant and we just got it was just a couple of minute visit um had pictures made and um it was over well i turned to, to walk away and as i'm walking away she said wait just a minute did you say your name is gary smith and i said yes she said i want to thank you i get your cds Somebody sends them to me every week. We listen to them on the, on the bus. And she said, it has really, really helped us. And I'm just really thankful. I'm just lying. But that, wouldn't, wouldn't that be so cool if that happened? <laughs> I mean, so, in my mind, it did. If, I, if I'm somewhere that nobody knows me, I don't correct it, you know. <laughs> Absolution. <laughs> 
John Wesley, um, love Wesley, call on this, and I don't have time. I'm, I'm not going to try to, to um, unfold all of this, but uh, John Wesley was Anglican. I don't know if you, how many of you really know that, but Wesley was Anglican. And it's, uh, now see, he's a retired pastor, minister, Methodist minister, yeah. So Wesley came over to America um, in 1735, and he stayed for about three years, and I think it was around the Savannah area, and we've been there trying to find a tour, and, um, but they don't have one. They just, all they got is ghost rides around there, you know. So that's all we could find. I'm thinking somebody put together, they have a spot where he preached his first sermon there, but pretty disappointing there. But um, Wesley then, in 1738, went back to England. He was, had his feelings hurt. He loved this lady that dissed him <laughs> and uh, kicked him to the side of the road. And uh, I don't know how dramatic it was, but he felt like he wasn't accomplishing anything. Charles Wesley, the songwriter, was with him too, his brother. So on their way home back to England, um, John was really impressed. The Mora uh, Moravians were on, on the ship another religious group, and he, there was a huge storm that blew in, and none of them were afraid, or that he noticed anyway, none of the children, and John, John is, and he's watching them, and it had such an impact on him that you know what he said later on, not long after that, he came to know Christ. He came over here as a missionary and said he didn't know Jesus. Now, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting guy to study there. And, uh, and how that, it didn't happen right away, but they really, really made an impact on him. Uh, calling this John Wesley, baggage and cotton candy. Um, I really want to get the cotton candy because I love that, but pro probably won't. Uh, passage. Come, all you who are thirsty... Come to the waters. Come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? Four times it's come. This is Isaiah um, speaking to, the, um, uh, to Judah. And they're getting ready to be taken into captivity. He's trying to help them. He's trying to stir them. The message says the next verse this way. Why do you spend your money on junk food? Your hard-earned cash on cotton candy. Oh, I love that. I love him. I love Peterson. And I, he was about the only one on my list that I wanted to meet. And he's dead now. He died a couple of years ago. I love him. And Bono of you two loved Peterson. I mean, they got to be friends and he just, man, they had a relationship and he would quote the message in his concerts. And I thought, man, I would just, I want to sit, I want to talk to him. Hard to do. I'm not Bono. 
you know, so no audience there. But he said, why do you spend your money on junk food and your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Now, let me tell you, when Kathy and I were youth pastors and pastors, we'd have events, and any time I could, I would be renting a cotton candy machine. Man, I would have it out there. I'd be in charge. I'm a diabetic now, so it wouldn't be good for me to be around it, probably. I don't think that's what caused it, but anyway, we, but it doesn't, there's no substance. There's not anything that I know of that is healthy about it. So he's saying, your hard-earned cash, you're spending on something that's just not going to last. It's not going to last. So he's getting, prophetically, he's getting this message out, Isaiah, and saying, come with your baggage, basically. He didn't use the word baggage, but I want to tell everybody here tonight, I've got baggage still. And when I came to him, I had baggage. I had plenty. A lot of people think, I'm just, I'm just not worthy. I just, it had been, I don't know how long since I'd been in church. Um, was raised in church, but got away from church. But I had a lot of, ba- of baggage. And I don't know how much of that story I can even tell right now, but I, 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 I do want you to know that he's a lifter of that baggage. You know, you, you get with somebody that uh, get in a group. Don't, don't stay alone. I'm not saying you've got to be... Um, you know, full disclosure of everything in your life. Some people think that, no, no, I can't even start to, no, that's not what that's about. It's about somebody loving you through that baggage that they said, that's overweight. Open it up, take something out, or you're going to have to pay another $50. That's how it is. Well, it's only one pound over. We don't care. This is the airline speaking. <laughs> but it's the fact that we still have some. And he was talking to a group of people, Isaiah, that had baggage. Knew that. But he still said, come and drink and eat. And I was thinking today, what kind of meal was that? It was not like something you know, just thrown together, wasn't seasoned right. There was a place in Fort Myers that we used to go to, and it was a, a buffet, and uh, we, we quit going. Only went once or twice. And it was a place you could go and eat for three hours and uh, leave and burp, and it wouldn't remind you of anything. You know, it's just, it was just not seasoned. It wasn't really, really good food. But he says, basic, it's a metaphor, but this is good. This is good. In 1972, a group called Steely Dan, which probably most of you have never heard of. You're way too young. Has anybody in here, raise your hand, ever heard of Steely Dan? You liars. (laughs) You wanted to get in another category, didn't you? (laughs) Some of, did you raise your hand? You did not, okay. Julie, Dr. Campbell, has not heard of Steely Dan. Steely Dan is a group that you'll hear more likely on an elevator 
Ricky, don't lose that number. It's the only one you've got. That is Steely Dan. But, and that was their biggest hit. But it wasn't their first. Their first was Reeling in the Years. And one of the lines out of Reeling in the Years said this. You wouldn't even know a diamond if you held it in your hand. You wouldn't even know a diamond if you held it in your hand. Now, this is where I would want to stop and have some kind of um, picture or prop. Anybody have? You have a loose? Okay, good. Okay. Um, Dr. Campbell has a loose diamond here. Okay. This, this is it right here. Okay. And um, I think... I th- <laughs> I think Father, Father Luke bought her this on vacation. And uh, Kathy, about how many carrots would that be? You know? <laughs> Just give me a guess. 200. 200, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? You're getting this. Okay, you didn't even know I bought it. <laughs> but he says, the things you think are precious, I can't understand. I mean... Well, we like things, but he said, if you held it in your hand, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's fleeting. It's not going to last. You could hold it in your hand, and I can't understand it, he said, the writer of the song. I, I can't understand how you get that much out of it. So what is the baggage that we bring Today, I don't have a clock. Keep me 5.50. What, five more minutes? I can land this. I'm circling the field right now. He's a helicopter pilot. He's, we're, we can land anywhere, okay? <laughs> um, some of the baggage I know I carried, I brought. When I went to a pastor's office on a... a, a Friday after Thanksgiving in 1969, I um, was, was not living. I'd been brought, brought up to really, uh, Julie, hang on to that for me, please, okay, because he's going to put a band on that. Um, I'd been brought up, I'd, I went to church all my life. I didn't pay attention usually, I didn't listen, but it was the fact that I wanted to get out and do what I wanted to do. And it was very legalistic, the church. And so one night, me and some guys, I understand, I went, I went from time to time. I went to church. But me and some guys, we, we went to West Palm Beach. I think the Rolling Stones were there. We didn't see the concert, but we, we copped a little acid. It was their idea. And um, some LSD. And um, I'm going to tell you what I thought that night. Uh, I ruined my head. I was so afraid. I went, I finally just told, I don't even know if I had an apartment then. I said, take me home. And they took me to my parents' house. I laid there on it because I was just rushing. And it was just bad. And as soon as my mom got up and I said, I've got to tell you what I've done. And I've got to go see a doctor. I've got to go see a psychiatrist. She said, Gary, go see the pastor. 
go see the, and I knew him. He had taken his camp and his kids, and I had a relationship. So it wasn't something I was, you know, embarrassed to, to go to. It was just like, this is not the route that I think I wanted to go. I just want to get this weight off me. I've got too much in my bag. I, I've got too much baggage here. I'm not going to be able to get on the plane. But I went. And I went in and told him everything. And it started my journey to saving faith. Now, I think a lot of people would have said, well, it was a done deal. I don't think it was. I really don't. It took me probably a few years to realize that was not, I think, my point of entering a relationship with God. When, after we prayed, I went out in the parking lot, and I sit there in a little Volkswagen, and it was like I didn't have joy. I came. I did come, but I come with a lot of baggage. And some of my, ba- my baggage was insecurity, reputation. Where are your friends at now? And those things just kept, they were just buzzing around my head. Well, I want you to know tonight that that's okay. I mean, you're, you're, if, if this is, if you hear the call, it's okay. You just come. I th- you know, I, I've been raised not to dance and not to go to movies and not this and this. And I did all those things. Went to movies and went to dances. I could cut a rug. And it hurt when I had to quit cutting a rug, you know. And I'm thinking, i got to give that up. And I didn't really have to. I mean, that's not something there. I mean, maybe somebody here would feel, well, I could prove it. Well, don't prove it to him. But um, it, it, it really, but I thought, I want to push through this. I really, really wasn't that happy. It's, it's baggage. I didn't call it that then. But I knew that this is... I can't go back the other way. I mean, everything was just getting so loose. It really was. What I was, what we were thinking we would do and what we did do. And um, so I got on a path, not a lot of joy in my walk, not around a lot of joyous people, around still a lot of very legalistic people. And, um, but I managed to push through and um, hang in there. And then I met Kathy, my wife, in Miami, uh, not long after that. And then she began to disciple me. And that made a difference. She knew a lot. She knew a whole lot. And she knew more at starting church at, I think, about 15 or 16 than I knew going all my life. So I would have, then right away, I was, you know, put on the stage to preach, had opportunities, and I'm thinking, that's not where I should have been, you know. I, I needed discipling. I needed to learn this. This is what I want you to hear. Come to, tonight to tell you this message. Learn how to love Jesus. I, did, I wanted to get that burden off me. I wanted the baggage off, and I didn't think past that. But after, you know, a, a series of events, God started to open doors, and I you know, just invited him in, invited 
what do you want to do in my life? And it goes a thousand different ways there, but Wilbur Reese, he's a pastor in California, just died not long ago. But this is kind of, this really, this helps me. I, it's a poem, and I, it won't bore you. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or pick beats with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. And you know, I think that was me that day. I just, I need $3 worth of you. I just need, I, I don't need a whole bushel basket full of you. I need $3. And then God started giving me a plan, speaking Joy started coming. I don't mean I was just going around giggling all the time. I mean, the joy was gone. But I didn't even know how to tell what happened to me. I mean, my friends come up and say, Gary, I haven't seen you lately. Where have where you been? I said, I got saved. Someone would say, what is that? <laughs> you know, it shocked them. I didn't know how to communicate it. I really didn't. Think of that, somebody that's never been around it, and they hear that word, I got saved. Well, God has... A thousand different ways that he's going to bring people into our life. He's going to open up avenues. He's going to bring uh, the, the, the resources to help us with our baggage. Please, don't, don't take a step backward. I never, ever, ever, after I had a deep experience with, with Jesus... I never thought about turning back. And that was 69. It was a day, so that was how many years ago? 30, um, 50 years ago. Over 50 years ago. 54, yeah. Relative of mine back there, yeah. Okay, 54 years. I have never said. I mean, I've been heartbroken. I mean, you know, we've been kicked to the curb. You know, a lot of things going on. I think I didn't sign up for this, but get nearly what Jesus got. But it was all I wanted to start with was $3 worth of God. Let me close this up. Let me, let me land this. Got landing gear down? Okay, he's ready. Okay. <laughs> Several years ago, Soul Survivor Church in England had a, a group, um, their worship team, uh, that the pastor called together. It was a great worship team, great church, and they're a lot like the church we came from, the vineyard. And he called them together and he said, I want all of you guys to lay your instruments down. We're not going to have any instruments. We're not going to have any singing. Because it was kind of what he's saying. It's like a performance. It, it, it's not bad. It's, it's good. But some, a, 
there's a big, big gap in here. There's something missing. So you're going to lay them down. Lay all of those instruments down. And one of the guys said, man, it was uncomfortable. They'd come and sit and, you know, try to sing and no instruments. And that went on for a while. And all of those guys left that group except one. And that was Matt Redman. Matt stayed through it. And he wrote, when the music fades, all is stripped away. And I simply come. I'm longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I, I don't need all the I love music. Oh, do I love music. I read about musicians. And, but I understand. I get it. I get this. And they did the right thing. Now Matt's one of the top worship leaders in the world, not just in England. I mean, when we were in the vineyard, we had him in the vineyard. They never brought outsiders. They didn't have to. 70% of the evangelical churches in America did a vineyard song on Sunday morning, songs that our groups were writing. Why would we need to? But when I saw it was Matt, man, was I happy. I was so happy. He hung in there and looked 10,000 reasons. Look, just look at his catalog of music and how God has blessed him. Father, thank you for uh, these few minutes. Lord, I pray for anyone that is um, dealing with some deep hurt, disappointment, felt like they haven't been good enough, and maybe they've waited to come. And maybe they have come, and they've been criticized, and they've been judged. And Lord, I, I just... I just ask you right now to just visit them right where they're at. And God, just put a blessing on them. In Jesus' name. Speak truth to my heart. Thanks for listening. Join us at the Mission Cleveland next week. For